G'day everyone, Chris and Alex here with another episode of Wrestling Oz Style, but first we want to address the Australian bushfires of the 2019 and 2020 summer. By comparison, the California wildfires of 2019 had an approximate burn area of 105,147 hectares, while the Amazon rainforest wildfires of 2019 had an approximate burn area of 906,000 hectares. From June of 2019 until February of 2020, the Australian bushfires had an approximate burn area of 18,636,079 hectares. Over 9,350 buildings were destroyed, including over 3,500 homes. A total of 34 lives were lost, including six firefighters. Three were Australian volunteers and three were American water bomber pilots. The local wildlife population has also been severely impacted with several threatened species affected, including the koala. We send our deepest condolences to anyone who has lost a loved one during this time, with our thoughts and prayers going out to everyone affected by this tragedy. As we do so, we ask you to pause for a mark of respect followed by a moment's silence. So yes, another episode of Wrestling Old Style with myself, Chris Funderhog, and as always, Mr. Alex Fruity Williams. Alex, how are you today? I am fantastic. I am fabulous. I am fantabulous. That's good to hear. Um, so yeah, a bit of a 
different start uh, to this episode. It's an episode we've wanted to do for a little while, our um, January review of the Australian wrestling scene. But Australia was heavily impacted by the um, bushfires of the Australian summer and we felt it uh, wouldn't be right not to address that right at the start. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've, you have had family affected by all this. I was pretty close to some fire myself, so it was a very stressful time, that's for sure. Yeah, for those who don't know, I grew up down in uh, northeast Victoria and had family uh, in a small farming community surrounded by uh, fire for quite a number of days, but they're all safe, they're all alive, no homes lost, no um, lives lost, so they're, they're lucky ones in this whole uh, ordeal. A little bit of fencing loss and a little bit of um, livestock loss, but overall they're very lucky. Yeah, yeah, it's really good to hear that they got out from that. Um, yeah, a lot of people weren't as lucky and still the effects of it are still being felt a little bit today as we're, as a lot of towns are trying to rebuild and we've got all this other stuff going on now as well. So, Yeah, and now with um, the whole COVID-19 thing, I've seen a lot of the um, volunteers who are in the areas helping rebuild fencing or property or homes have now... Um, had to leave because of the new restrictions from the Australian and state governments. Yeah, and I, I think it's important for us to talk about the bushfires because um, as much as what's going on right now in regards to COVID-19, it is scary. It is, it is pretty rough out there. But I feel like uh, it's sort of overshadowed what happened earlier this year and people have moved on mindset wise from the bushfires and just a quick reminder that yeah people are still feeling the effects from these bushfires yeah sadly we're coming into the colder part of our year especially for um southern australia where temperatures can drop to around zero or below overnight so there's a lot of people who've lost their their homes in that sort of area and they still don't know where they're going to spend winter. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, so moving on to something a bit lighter, um, we did say last episode we'd chat a bit about why we've been away. Um, personally, myself, I sort of didn't want to do this bushfire show until I knew most of my family was okay and things were turning around it's it was a bit scary yeah yeah that's a hundred percent um a hundred percent understandable on your end yeah yeah and and while we've been away i just haven't been seeing here twilling me phones we're on free podcasting services i'm trying to work on adding a few more we're improving our audio quality we did have a few technical issues last episode which i tried to uh fill out the best i could <laughs> and uh thank you alex for being so patient on that no, that's okay um yeah well at least we didn't have to record it more times than we thought we were gonna have to 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but we might as well move on to the uh, main course, so to speak, while we're here this week. And it's to cover a few events from uh, January of 2020. So if you don't mind, I can read off the list of the shows I watched. Yeah, of course, mate. Um, just quickly, I just want to say I'm really excited to talk about Aussie wrestling because we are an Aussie wrestling podcast and it feels like a lifetime ago since that first episode where we actually talked about Aussie wrestling. So, Yeah, yeah, we had our, our sort of introductory and in best of 2019 and then we sort of had a break and came back with WrestleMania. So, yeah, it's good to talk about Aussie wrestling again. Definitely. Let's get into it. Okay, so I watched nine events across uh, January. So I'll just list them off in a order of date that they happened. January 10th, Explosive Pro Wrestling, the EPW School of Pro Wrestling Showcase Number 9 in a school carnival. Uh, the 11th, Pro Wrestling Australia, PWA's Black Label Sword Fight. Uh, the 11th, Melbourne City Wrestling's MCW Vendetta. The 18th, Frank, Frankie Wrestling Australia, sorry. FWA Femme Fatales Volume 1. The 18th, Australian Wrestling League. Uh, AWA The Purge, New Dawn. The 19th, Melbourne City Wrestling, MCW Wrestling for Relief. The 24th, Wrestling Go, Wrestling Go, The Sydney Collective. The 25th, Newcastle Pro Wrestling, Nui Pro Number 85. And on the 25th, Professional Championship Wrestling, PCW 2020 Summer Series Grand Final. Awesome. Um, so we'll just be running down the events one by one. Uh, some will go into more details of a match or an event. Others will just briefly read out the result and give a sort of quick opinion on. Let's do it. And I must apologise, uh, first of all, if I mispronounce any wrestlers' names or moves wrong. Uh, a lot of these wrestlers I am seeing for the first time. Okay, so January 10th, 2020, Explosive Pro Wrestling, the EPW School of Professional Wrestling Showcase Number 9, in a school carnival. Uh, took place from the EPW School Building in Perth, WA, Western Australia. Um, so match number one, Del... Cano defeated Jet Roker in 11-17, uh, pinfall victory after a shooting star press. Match number two, Aiden Miller defeated Zenith in 9-59, pinfall after a V-trigger into an electric chair drop combination. Match number three, Davis Storm and Edith Knight defeated Bobby Bishop and Lucille Brawl uh, in an intergender four-person tag team match. In 9.40, submission from Edith Knight to Bobby Bishop after applying the Rings of Saturn. Match number four. Joel Hagen defeated York in 7.53, uh, pinfall after a low blow into a sidewalk slam. Match number five. Gavin McGavin defeated Jules Cannon in 8.48, pinfall after the History Maker. Match number six, Chadwick Jackson, J. 
Junior Lee, Stella Nix, and Tyler Jacobs defeated Bobby Marshall, Jesse Lambert, Jimmy Townsend, and Leon Tully. Uh, again, another intergender tag team match. This was in 9.26 pinfall from Chadwick Jackson on Jesse Lambert after a Tyler Jacobs punt kick. And the main event, match number seven, Tiffany, the champion uh, of the EPW Rising Star Cup, defeated Ryan Allen to retain in 13.43, pinfall after a pile driver. Um, Alex, do you have any thoughts on this show? Yeah, so this is one of the shows I didn't get around to watching. But, um, yeah, so this is a bit of a showcase for the younger wrestlers, is it? Like a sort of a training school sort of show, is it? I'd say similar to how um, PWA in Sydney's now doing their um, uh, green label or academy showcase, I think they call it now as well. But, yeah, it's got different wrestlers from around the country. You've got um, Lucille Brawl and Bobby Bishop from Queensland. You've got Jet Roker from NCW. So there's a few. Uh, Jimmy Townsend on there as well from um, PWA. So you've got a few different wrestlers from around the... um, country on this show yeah and i've noticed like not only is it a show for um the younger up-and-comers it's uh got a couple of your more seasoned veterans in there like your davis storms and your gavin mcgavins and all that to sort of help these youngsters along a bit and i think it's a really great idea so yeah actually i really enjoyed the davis um, Edith versus Bobby Lucille Brawl match. I thought that was one of the standout matches on the night. Yep. And uh, I'm not too familiar with most of the people on the show, but I, but I'd definitely be interested in going back and watching this one just from seeing uh, some of the results here, like Chet Ruka in a awesome opening match there and... Uh, Jimmy Townsend is a guy that I just absolutely love. So, Yeah, and for all these um, events we're going to read off, they are available on various VOD services. This one's available through the EPW from the Vault on Vimeo for $9 Australian dollars per month. The only negative comment I'll have towards this show, um, it, the commentary did sound a bit echoey and was hard to hear it one or two points throughout the show, but that might just be because of um, it being a school show and it might have been mic'd differently than their traditional APW shows. Yeah. Overall, a good show. Uh, highly recommend checking it out. So from there, we move on to January 11th, Pro Wrestling Australia's PWA Black Label Sword Fight from Max Watts in Sydney, New South Wales. Um, so this is an 18-plus show, did you watch this one live or on uh, tape delay? Sorry, Alex. I believe I actually watched this one live. Um, Jesus, so it, it is quite a while ago now, but I'm pretty sure I watched this one live. Yeah, and um, I am a I'm quickly becoming a massive fan of PWA Black Label and. When all this craziness is done, I would love to take a trip to Max Watts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
We'll just get started. Match number one, MK Ultra. That's Kai Drake and Michael Spencer uh, versus the Velocities. That's Jude London and Paris De Silva for the PWA Tag Team Champions Championship. The Velocities are your champions going in. Now PWA incorporates lucha rules where. If a person leaves the ring, the person on the apron can enter the ring and become the legal person. Um, This was sort of a quick, fast-paced match. They eventually brought to the outside, where MK Ultra won via count-out, sliding in at 9 when the Velocities couldn't make it back into the ring, but the Velocities retained per PWA's rules. Um, Post-match, there was a belt shot to the Velocities by MK Ultra, who leave with the titles. Yeah, this was a great opening match. Uh, the Velocities are always the perfect tag team to open up any show with, to be honest. Uh, they have the perfect set-the-tone-for-the-rest-of-the-night style. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, so from there, we get a promo with Sam Osborne leading into his match against Big Fudge. Sam comes out and he's got a live singer for his entrance. This goes for the match goes for about six minutes, where Sam's the more powerful man. He eventually gets caught by Fudge into a choke slam, followed by a sunset flip, and Fudge wins his first match on PWA Black Label. I loved this. I think it is perfect, and where they go with the Sam Osborne character is perfect storytelling. And, um, yeah, I was actually super stoked to see Big Fudge get a win here. And I love Sam Osborne's entrance too. So, yeah, not not much to complain about here, that's for sure. Uh, we then get a video of the pre- uh, prefects receiving their ATAR results. Preston gets a 51, but Townsend has received a score of 30 or less and is told he has to repeat year 12. This is brilliant. Like, it's it's so good. This, this is a tag team that the whole preface of their gimmick, it's going to give you storylines for years and years to come if you just keep following the, the characters' lives, and this is the perfect next step for the prefects. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, match number three on the night was Ricky South defeating Matt Rogers in 10-14, pinfall after a pile driver. Uh, Matt Rogers' foot appeared to be on the rope at the free count, but the ref didn't see it in time. And post-match, Ricky South says that for Mardi Gras weekend in Sydney, he's having his own show called Rick South for the Boys. Yeah, awesome. Um, I... I'm a huge fan of Ricky South. And uh, as we mentioned in our WrestleMania review, uh, I have a non-wrestling fan girlfriend, and she's actually seen little bits here and there of Ricky South, and she loves him. Like, just loves everything about him. Uh, Whenever we get around to talking about Rick South for the boys, she watched his entire entrance for that night, and she was just like, I am obsessed with this guy. Why isn't he making a million dollars right now? And that's to someone that barely ever watches wrestling. 
And that's just from his entrance alone. So, and he gets in the ring and he is a technical wizard. He is a superstar in the making. In my opinion, he's already a superstar, but he's got big things to come. And the only issue I have with this match is the finish because Matt Rogers has got to look strong for some reason, but sure. Yeah, I guess the story will tell out more of the uh, next couple of events. Uh, from there, we have a promo where AJ is backstage. He thanks Reese for saving him during the four-way match in December, which leads into match number four. It's AJ and Reese Angel versus the Prefects, Billy Preston and Jimmy Townsend. Now, as they're making their entrance, Jimmy Townsend is announced as the Prefect. Billy Preston is now announced as the graduate. I loved this so much. And the the uh, uni shirt and all that going on whilst Jimmy's still in his uh, <laughs> high school gear. It's so good. Just fantastic. Just their moveset they use. They're like high school bullies. They use noogies, wet willies, armpits, purple nurples. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, at one point, uh, Jimmy's on the mat. And he does a little circle for a free shot and AJ looks, but he ends up blocking the punch. Going towards the finish here, there's a schoolboy on AJ, but Reese breaks it up at two because no one kicks out of the schoolboy. Yeah. And the match ends uh, pinfall from Reese on Billy after AJ hits a gotch style pile driver in 658. Yeah, th- this is a this was a good uh, building blocks, good building blocks for both of these tag teams, which they're trying to tell some good stories here with AJ and Reese Angel and the Prefix as well. So I really enjoyed this match. The only thing that caught me off guard in this match was Billy uh, losing. I thought that Jimmy having to repeat year 12 would also uh, be the one to lose the match for his team. Yeah, but you know. When you leave high school, you start studying at uni, you might get a little bit hazy and distracted. Fair enough. You might start doing a few things you shouldn't be doing after you've left high school and you've turned 18. Maybe there's a story to be told there. Fair enough. Um, Match number five, it's Jessica Troy, the PWWA champion, versus Steph DeLander. So since... 2019 the PWWA championship is now also intergender like the other two PWA championships which match goes for about six minutes but Steph Delander is disqualified for pushing the referee but Jessica Troy still retains because of PWA's rules yeah this was uh great I, I enjoyed this as well just uh it's a bit of long-term storytelling in a sense. Yeah, because after the match, uh, Steph jumps on the microphone and says she wants a championship rematch next month, but she wants it in a steel cage so Jessica can't run away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, perfect setup here. Yeah, and the commentary was also saying it's like one of the... Um, it may be the first uh, women's cage match in Australia, which I'm not 100% sure on, but it'd be one of the first ones in recent memory that I can remember. Yeah. Um, so from there, after intermission, we move on to a Shazza McKenzie promo saying she's found 
an organisation that was founded in 2019. There's a good alternative where people can be themselves and she can't wait to be a part of it in 2020. So I, I first, sorry to interrupt, but I, I first saw that promo on Twitter. Uh, I didn't see it on the show. Yep. And um, oh, I think I saw it before the show, but um, I first saw it and I was like, oh, yes, it's happening. Shaz is all elite. But nah, she trolled me and it was perfect. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. As the camera pans up and across, it reveals Concrete Davison and Ricky South saying they want to sign Shazza to the Black Shirt call group. There's also a funny moment in here where they both look up because Jax is no longer with the group and Shazza goes, what, did he die? And they go, no, he's just upstairs resting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so good. Hey, Jax, get some rest. What I love is how these guys can do their comedy stuff, like particularly the Black Shirt Cool Group. They can do their comedy stuff but still be major, major threats when the bell rings. I love it. Yeah, they're not taking it all jokingly. They're like, yeah, okay, we'll have a bit of fun now, but as soon as the bell rings, we mean business. Yeah. Um, so that leads into match number six, Black Shirt Cool Group, Concrete Davison and Shazza McKenzie defeating Edith Knight and Gavin McGavin. Lasted for about 10 minutes, a uh, pinfall from Shazza onto Edith Knight after a Shazza stunner. Yeah, this is great as well. Like, it's Shazza. Of course it's great. Like, what else can you expect? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good to see her working with someone as new as... um. Edith Knight as well, who's only been on the scene, I think the commentary was saying, for a year or two at this point. Yeah, and I also enjoyed seeing Gavin McGavin and Concrete Davison lock up too. And, um, yeah, every single little uh, lock up we got from all these possible combinations in this match were really intriguing uh, one-on-one situations. So it was great. Yeah, and from there we go on to match number seven. It's Kingsley with Xena in her corner versus Bell Pierce. They say this is Kingsley's first singles match at a PWA Black Label event. So that, I thought, was a um a bit shocking. But then again, she is sort of uh, new to the scene as well. Yeah. Uh, match goes for about five minutes. Uh, Kingsley is caught off guard in a schoolgirl roll-up by Bell and uh, losers. Yeah, th- this is good. They're telling a bit of a story with Bell Pierce, long-term wise too. No, spo- sorry for the spoiler, but yeah, it's uh, I-, I really, I really like where they're going with, with pretty much all the women in PWA. Like there is barely a lemon in the bunch. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, so post-match, Bell's in the ring. She says she wants to be friends with Lux. Lux both get in the ring. They've got teacups. The fans start chanting tea for Belle with Lux and Lux proceed to pour the tea over Belle's head and she looks all sad as Lux walk off. Yeah. um, I I love Lux. I just love them. They're fantastic. Yes, as we mentioned in our initial episode that you can go back and listen to in the archive with how good they are as a team and especially the way they play off each other in front of the crowd. Yeah, and I'm always, as a guy that sort of grew up watching 
old tapes of 80s wrestling, the bigger and the louder and the more, like, turned up to 11 the character is, the more I'm invested, and these girls are just perfect in that role. Yeah, and from there we sort of move on to the main event of PWA for the night. It's uh, The Nations, Jack Bonzer and Mick Moretti versus The Babes, that's Carter, Dean and Matty Wahlberg. This all stems from Wahlberg confronting Moretti in the PWA Academy, the training school. Moretti won Coliseum in 2018 while Wahlberg won it in 2019. So they've each got one of the Coliseum swords now. Yeah, obviously with these four guys in a match, obviously it was a complete stinker. No one was invested. It was very slow. It was very boring. The technical wrestling was horrible. Come on, guys. It was amazing. These are four of the best wrestlers in the country. And, yeah, not much to say about it because it was just so good. Yeah, so before the pre-match introductions even get started, the babes go over and start harassing the nations, but the ref breaks them up long enough to do a pre-match introduction. Warburg wants sponsored again. The ring at once uh, wants Bonser to tag in Moretti, sorry, at one stage, but Moretti just sits down the ring apron and refuses to tag in. There's then another part where Carter Dean takes Bonzer's head ribbon and puts it down his tights to anger Bonzer. This was a really good match, went about 18 minutes. Uh, eventually, Bonzer got the pinfall victory over Carter Dean's after Moretti had blinded uh Wahlberg whilst they were setting up for the double team power bomb on the nations. Yeah, like I said, there's these four guys, you can barely even say anything about this match because it's as good as you would expect. It it's a really good match. What else can you say about it? These guys are reliable as hell and it's fantastic. Yeah, and just in the post-match, Moretti's standing on his head taunting Wahlberg while Wahlberg's being tended to the ringside doctor uh, to get the mist out of his eyes. Yeah, I, I love this Moretti-Wahlberg thing too. It's a really good story. Yeah, and it builds up your two um, Coliseum winners as this is a major achievement and each man's sort of bragging that they're the one true Coliseum winner. Yep. Um the last thing after the credits had sort of rolled, there was a little clip of Belle Pierce making a phone call saying she feels like PWA is falling apart. She doesn't know what to do and is asking a mystery person to come back and help her. Yeah. Overall, I thought this was a really good show. Oh, honestly, I can't think of the last time I watched a PWA show and was like, oh, that was only okay. Like... They've got all these awesome characters and every, almost everyone on the roster is capable of putting on a great match. So PWA is available on OVO Play for $9.99 Australian dollars per month. There's also a weekend pass for around $5. Or if you want, you can get the yearly pass for $79.99. Um, they were doing... The Matty Wahlberg beer pong for one night only again, and after match number four, they announced they'd already raised one thousand for the bushfire pill. Um, the only negative I have, and this isn't really even on um, 
PWA. It's more of a OVO play, just where they position their ad breaks. If you're like me and work the night when it airs live and you have to go back and re-watch it, the ad breaks are positioned hor- at horrible times. They're positioned throughout the match and sometimes can really affect the uh, match flow. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I I haven't really had the chance to watch it on demand. I usually... Unlike you, I get the chance to watch PWA live most of the time. So, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's just because I'm not with uh, OVO as my internet provider or if that's um, just a general thing they have on their VOD service because I'm paying for the uh, top tier there as well. Yeah, I, I do get ads sometimes on OVO and... I just don't understand why I'm paying money per month to get ads chucked into the middle of shows, but whatever. It's it's a small critique, and like we said, it's more about the VOD provider than the actual content on the VOD itself. Yeah, because if you're going to wait for me to say anything bad about PWA, you're going to be waiting a bloody long time. So from there, we'll move on to January 11th as well. Uh, This time, MCW Vendetta from the Thornbury Theatre in Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, The night starts with Brooksy cutting an in-ring promo saying how honoured it is to finally be MCW World Champion. But all of a sudden, Slex confronts Brooksy and saying... Uh, that he wants to challenge for a match as he didn't get pinned in the freeway at Endgame. And even though he's signed to Ring of Honor in the US, he wants to take the MCW World Championship worldwide. What did you think of this opening segment here between Brooksy and Slex? So, um, unlike PWA, you sort of have to wait about a week or so to sort of watch this. And on demand, and if you follow MCW on all their social media and stuff, they pretty much spoil everything as it happens. And so this would have been crazy to have watched if I if I hadn't have known what was going to happen before I watched it. But yeah, this was great. Yeah, that's that's the one criticism that comes with uh, not living in Melbourne to regularly attend the MCW shows. If you follow their social media, you do see a lot of the uh, results before it's actually available on the VOD. Yeah, some, sometimes even with their ballroom brawls, they like tweet every single entrant and what number they're coming and when they get eliminated too. Yeah, so the brawler and brawls like a uh, raw, traditional Raw Rumble match um, and, of course, there'll be surprises, but them tweeting it out and then you're watching it a week or two later, it sort of ruins some of the anticipation. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's just me being a greedy fan or whatever, but I don't feel like... MCW need to tweet every single result for every little thing, but but going back to the card we're talking about, this would have been an amazing surprise watching live at Thornbury. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's Adam Brooks agrees to the uh, unscheduled championship match. So it's Adam Brooks versus Slex for the MCW World Championship. 
fast pace start inside the ring before moving outside where Slex hits a backbreaker on the rail and an X-plex on the apron. Back inside the ring, it's fast pace back and forth. Um, there's a top rope suplex for a two count. This went for about 15 minutes, which a bunch of near falls exchange at the end where Adam Brooks eventually gets the free. Post-match, Slex shows his respect and says how great the locker room is and the fans chant thank you to him. Yeah, what a way to open the show for the... You're not just opening the show for the month. You're opening it for the year. You're opening it for the decade. And the first match of MCW's decade is two of their the best wrestlers to have ever come through MCW fighting for the championship. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Yeah, it, it is a really good match. I'd recommend going and um, checking back out. Shortly after this, there's a video that plays with Davis Storm saying that he'll challenge Brooksy at MCW in February. Were you surprised to see Davis Storm uh, as the next challenger straight after this match? Uh, definitely a bit surprised, but uh, a really good guy to be the sort the next challenger for the title. Like he has a lot of credibility with Australian wrestling fans and has a lot of experience and he's wrestling Adam Brooks. So he's definitely going to get a good match out of him. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And to that MCW locker room, you've sort of gone through most of the people at the moment with, uh, selects on his title run from the early part of last year so having a um david storm come across the country is a good option yeah and it gives you time to build people up underneath that to eventually challenge brooksy after david storm match number two it's jet roker accompanied by tyson baxter defeating leo pratt uh in 758 did you like this match? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it was a pretty good little match here. Um, both guys are... Sort of just come out of the MCW Academy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jet Ruka and, yeah, he had Tyson Baxter with him, uh, the Mile High Club. Uh, both guys there have a lot of potential and... I've seen uh, Tyson Baxter and Jet Ruka in person once, and they're surprisingly big dudes as well. Yeah, and post-match, Jet Ruka says that Tyson has an announcement. He says he's cleared and that they'll be back together as the Mile High Club in February. Yeah, just just because there wasn't enough uh, depth in the tag team division. Yeah, as we'll see later on. Um there's a promo by Jake Andrew Arthur, the former Commonwealth and Olympic athlete, saying that he's coming back with Siren Munro by his side. I actually really enjoyed that promo. Um, yeah, the Jake Andrew Arthur character has a lot, a lot of room for growth to be as nice as possible, but um, this promo was perfect. Yeah, and it's also... It's, distancing himself from when he was part of um, Helter Skelter. Yeah, yeah. I like to forget about Helter Skelter. 
Oh, please, I have the best Beatles song of all time. It is the best Beatles song. It 100%. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way too. But, um, and Jul- Julian James is pretty entertaining, but oh, the matches were, they were what they were. Fair enough. Uh, moving on to match number three, it's the Natural Classics. That's Stevie and Tone Philippe versus the last of a dying breed. That's Mike Burr and Richie Taylor. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not enjoy this match. Yeah. So uh, I've had uh, mixed feelings about certain members of this match over my my uh, fandom of MCW. Um, the Philippe brothers are great wrestlers. One of them's a really good promo. The other one should never be near a microphone. And half of the last of a dying breed has a lot of potential to go somewhere and the other half just doesn't do anything for me. I was more so talking about the fact that the commentary was more invested in the fact this feud starting over a man bumping into a man at Christmas party and knocked his slice of pizza out of his hand. And then Crackers compares it to the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand. I don't even remember that. That's it seems at times in this match they were more invested in uh, getting over pizza jokes than the actual wrestlers in the ring. Yeah, um... This commentary team, I'm usually quite a fan of them, but they are very much guilty of getting stuck in their little tangents. Yeah, there's a match later on I might uh, bring something up that I thought was very Wrestle Rock and sort of out of place, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Towards the end of the match, the refs just lost control. There's multiple men from the same team in the ring at one time, and I've just lost track of who's legal. If either enforce tag rules or have it as a lucha rules match, just don't have both. And in the end, after about 12 minutes, uh, Tone Fleet got a pinfall victory over Richie Taylor after what was called the mother of all bombs. Yeah, poor Richie. Fair enough. Moving on, we had a bastard TV video where Crackers is getting his blood taken by Blonde Nurse and then they just start spraying blood everywhere. Yeah, I'm at, I've actually been pretty excited to talk about this. <laughs> um, Go for it. The floor is yours. Oh, I'm just super excited about Crackers returning to the ring, I assume. Um, and this promo was just absolutely ridiculous and might make people cringe in a pandemic world it's probably a bit cringeworthy to look at now yes viewing this in uh april eyes compared to <laughs> compared to january it's very uh jarring shall we say yeah just watching these two people make out whilst blood is literally raining on them uh yeah cracker jack's fantastic though i'll i love it if he does come back and it's that Jimmy Havoc match at Wrestle Rock, I seriously need to get plane tickets to get the hell down there. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet you there. Okay, so from that, we move on to match number four. It's a MCW Inter-Commonwealth Championship match. And yes, I must apologise. 
on our first show, I think I called it Intercontinental Championship about half a dozen times. Did you? <laughs> I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I think we both did. <laughs> oh, okay. It's because the initials I see and you're so ingrained, not only WWE, but now New Japan. Mm. It's just in your memory is that. So, yes, apologies, MCW. Is it? Is it acceptable to call it the MCWIC Championship, though? I guess. Yeah. All right. That, that's where I'll go with it. <laughs> so it's Danny Psycho, your champion, versus Royce Chambers. Good little 10, 12-minute match. Uh, Royce hits a shooting star press to the outside, but is going back into the ring, gets caught from the top rope, and ends up going back up top, Gets caught in a mid-air cutter um, from a diving Royce Chambers for a pinball victory. Yeah. Nothing really much to add on to the match, just the post-match. There's the video again from Danny Stalker, but this time it's shown that he's been talking to his daughter at school. This uh, video was actually really uncomfortable to watch, which means they did it perfectly. Like, bravo. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as far as Danny Psycho and Royce Chambers are concerned, they're both sensational in-ring performers, and I love watching either one of these guys in the ring. My only issue is it looks like Danny Psycho, his fashion sense stopped in 2008 when affliction shirts were a thing, and he just wears, like, affliction-style pants, and I hate him. But that's about it. Other than that, he, he he's the sort of guy I love to watch. I love to watch big dudes that can do crazy stuff. And he's a big dude. And yeah, he's the first MCW champion in 2010. And when he returned last year, it sort of seemed to be out of nowhere for the IC tournament. Yeah, and um, I... I honestly had never seen any of his matches because I didn't watch any of the super early MCW stuff. Um, I'd never seen any of his stuff before he came back last year, and, yeah, he got me hooked immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from there, we'll move on to match number five. Uh, it's a singles match, number one contendership for the MCW Women's Championship. It's Avery versus Kellyanne. Do you have much to add on this match? Um, I think we covered a bit in the first episode of our podcast. These are literally two of my favorite wrestlers in the world, Avery and Kellyanne. Like, as far as women's wrestlers that are not, ooh, not signed to a major contract or at this time weren't, um, yeah, there's no better than these two. Not much to talk about because it's just so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a good back and forth match. Eventually, Avery gets the upper hand once she goats uh, Kellyanne into trying to do a second cannonball into the corner, hits her with the daddy issues for the pinfall victory in 10.52. Uh, post-match, Avery grabs the mic, calls out Steph DeLander, who's the current women's championship in MCW, and says that she wants a championship match in February. 
yeah, not much to complain about there. Match number six, your co-main event of the evening. It's Caveman Ugg versus Jag Hartley Jackson. Quickly, I would just like to say that this is the sort of stuff I love in wrestling. Big, beefy men slapping meat. The best. This is the best. I love it. Yeah, it's what it's what some would call a hoss match, isn't it? Hoss fight. Yeah, I love it. This is a no holds barred match, but before the bell rings, Jag attacks Ugg with a chair from behind. Um, there was a rather uncomfortable comment here where Jag is known as the South Australian serial killer, which led to the commentary team making references to the Snowtown murders. I actually. I don't know, maybe I'm a bit sick and twisted, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was just jarring to hear um, MCW commentary, the sort of family-friendly uh, uh, company of the two brands on MCW Encore say this when you expect it more from a Wrestle Rock. Yeah, but this is also the same company that has had you know, Jimmy Havoc death matches on the card as well. So... Fair enough. Uh, towards the end, Jag puts Ugg through two chairs in the ring for a two count. They brawl up the ramp before Ugg f- throws Jag back into the ring, hitting him with a suicide dive for a two count uh, before Ugg ultimately gets the win after hitting a splash mountain powerbomb through a table in the ring at 17 minutes. What were your thoughts on the match, Alex? Yeah, uh, as I may have given away, I um, I love this stuff. I love it when, as uh, one of my friends, Wok, would say, he would say, they're putting some stank on it. And these two guys just going in there, slapping meat, putting stank on everything and just beating the absolute you-know-what out of each other. I love these two guys. So, yeah, I, I love a good Hoss fight. After that, we get a lover boy promo. He enters from the balcony down to the ring, saying that he's a changed man and that 2020 he'll be different. Yeah, I was really excited about this, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not sure what to think of this new lover boy yet. I'm just sort of waiting to see how it'll play out over the coming episodes, I guess. Uh, then there's a backstage interview with Kellyanne. Just says that if the women's division is in the hands of Avery, it's in trouble. Uh, just quickly, do you have anything to add on those two promos? Uh, I'm excited to see where Loverboy's character goes. And as far as the Kellyanne promo sort of hinting at more of a heel side to the Kellyanne character, which is probably the best role for her right now, especially with Avery being such a fan favorite at the moment. Like, even though Avery is 100% a heel wrestler when the bell rings, she is loved. So having Kellyanne be more of the bitter heel is going to be the building blocks to a fantastic feud down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So your main event of the evening, it's 
Gowie James versus Will Offspray. This match took place about a week after Wrestle Kingdom, where Will reportedly broke his heel. At the start of the match, Dowie is just stalling for time on the outside, not really wanting to do much. Uh, they start wrestling. Dowie is being flung into the ropes. Will drops down and does a monkey flip, but doesn't send him over the ropes. Instead, Dowie sort of spills underneath the bottom rope. They're brawling around the ringside area, including Dowie falling into the front row. Uh, Dowie goes to get back on the apron, but lands a jump the shark DDT on Will. Do you have much to add on this match up until this point? Um, first of all, like Will Osprey comes out in the actual outfit he wore at Wrestle Kingdom, and he tweets out that like he tweeted out something along the lines of, "Of course, I busted out my good gear for MCW because that's what MCW means to me." And, like, it really is awesome to have seen him, like, come out, broken foot and all, in his full Wrestle Kingdom outfit to main event in a match against one of Australian wrestling's best wrestlers, Dowie James. And, yeah, at this point in the match, I am fully hooked. I have, as John Cena said in the Firefly Funhouse... I'll buy the whole seat, but only use the edge because this had me fully hooked. So back inside the ring now, Will's ankle seems to uh, be giving him some pain, as is Dowie's knee. Dowie hits a red alert for a two count, followed by a Dow Crusher for a two count. Will then hits a Spanish fly for a two count. Uh, Referee Edwin is knocked down as Dowie hits Will low, Hits an emerald flosion for a two count. Now this is uh, a big part of the match. Dowie reverses the hidden blade into a cross face, which I felt the fans sort of didn't realise what was going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they were just so into the moment, I guess. And it could be also they were really hyped up. Uh, when Will started motioning for the hidden blade, so they could have like just gone, oh, we didn't get it. Or could it be, now this is me bringing out my inner Jim Cornette, that there was so much going on here that the crowd might not have like been able to properly digest every single little intricacy of this match. Um. That's probably a fair point because I have been there before in a match where we fought a championship, changed hands, and we didn't see the ref was pulled out of the ring. So that's actually a fair point I hadn't thought of before. Mm. Um, Dowie tries to transition into the rings of Dowie, but Will escapes and eventually hits a hidden blade into a Stormbreaker for the pinfall victory in 23-27. This was a great match. What? Will Ospreay, good match, great match. I am shooketh. Nah, um, this was obviously fantastic. Uh, I'd like to see a, a decent main event run from Dowie James in MCW. Yeah, so post-match, uh, Will offers a sign of respect, but Dowie just flips him off as he's carried to the back by some of the ring crew. 
Uh, Will says he likes being in Australia, broke his heel at Wrestle Kingdom, and that he's still angry at Gino for attacking him last November, saying that he wants a Chaos versus Bullet Club match. All right, so I can't I can't remember the name of the match that MCW did, but it was Team MCW versus Team TMDK in like a giant cage thing that sort of surrounded the outside area, like the whole ringside area as well as the ring. Um, was it something like Caged Warfare? Yeah, something. Yeah, I think that might have been it. Um, that's what I want with them teasing Chaos versus Bullet Club. Even if it is lower tier Chaos members and lower tier Bullet Club members, it would be fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Um, because uh, Bad Luck Farley makes regular appearances in um, MCW. He did it when he inducted Gino into Bullet Club and he's appeared a few times after that as well. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, I think the shoe-ins for a possible Chaos versus Bullet Club sort of feud is... Because didn't uh, Will Ospreay say, you bring three of your friends, I'll bring three of mine, or something like that? Might have been three. Yeah. So it's obvious that the um, shoe-ins are Farley for Bullet Club and... Robbie Eagles for Chaos, but who else do you think they could bring into this? That's a hard one. Who else would you bring in? I think uh, Chaos has a few easier options to bring in, possibly. Okada's been there before. Uh, Well, isn't Mikey Nichols in Chaos? Yeah. Mikey? Yeah, Mikey's still in Chaos. So that would fill out Chaos. Yeah, if you bring... Switchblade? Um... Chase Owens. <laughs> like you said, you could bring in um, Switchblade, maybe, I don't know, maybe G.O.D. want to hang out with Farley in New Zealand and pop in Australia on the way. Yeah, I suppose it all, all depends on when this meeting will take place and what the New Japan schedule would be like at that time. Or if it can even happen anymore. <laughs> yes. I suppose that's that's the bigger question at the moment, not not when, if. Yeah. Um. So overall, I really enjoyed this show. Total thumbs up. Um. If you haven't already seen it, go and check out the Will and Dowie match. Front my front runner for Aussie match of the year so far. Uh, my front runner for match of the year. <laughs> like, considering, you know, you had such a hot crowd for it. Uh. You don't really have too many hot crowds these days, so it's pretty much <laughs> it's it's in there for top five matches of the year for me. Yeah. Um. So this is available on MCW on call through Vimeo for eight ninety nine per month. January eighteenth, Frankie Wrestling Australia FWA Femme Fatales Volume One from the Club Five Docks RSL in Sydney, New South Wales. So. Tara Lee defeated Edith Knight in 8.27, pinfall after an Alabama slam. Aspen defeated Stella Nix in 7.21, submission after a single-leg Boston Crab into kicking her own head. Match number three, Shazza McKenzie defeated Izzy Shaw 
in 8.14, submission after Stunner into crossface. Match number four, Kingsley defeated Candy Lee in 4.56, pinfall after second rope codebreaker. Match number five, Lena Cross defeated Azilia in 10.57, pinfall after Fireman's Carry into neckbreaker. Match number six, Savannah Summers defeated Belle Pierce in 11.11, pinfall after Fireman's Carry into what appeared to be a shoulder drop. Uh, match number seven, Zena, the FWA Women's Champion, versus Jessica Troy with Kingsley in Zena's corner. Jessica Troy has Zena in an armbar in the center of the ring. Kingsley gets into the ring to break it up and push over, pushes over the ref who is now out. Kingsley hits a code breaker to Jessica Troy and goes to check on Zena. Tali cashes in her Road to Glory card to become a triple threat match like Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. The Road to Glory card is similar to a Money in the Bank. Uh, and... Tali goes on to pin Zena after an Alabama slam in 1654. Uh, overall thoughts on this event, I thought it was pretty good uh, showcase for the women's wrestlers of Australia from New South Wales in a state and overseas. The only critique I would have would be either, when I was listening back to this on VOD, the commentary either was uh, not provided or recorded properly because at times during the main event, you could hear uh, comments such as, do you know how to apply an arm lock? And I wasn't sure if it was coming from the crowd or the ring announcer's mic. Yeah, well, um, I haven't... This is one of the shows I didn't get the chance to see, but um, looking at the talent on this card, like, it's a real fantastic like illustration of how talented uh, the women's side of things in Australian wrestling is at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got people on here who I'll probably continue to mention, like Edith Knight, Stella Nix. Um, you've got Kingsley on here again, Zena, Candy Lee, Tar Lee, Shazza, Belle Pierce. So there's, there's a lot of these women who, even though Australia is small in terms of its wrestling base and we only wrestle on weekends, there are a fair few of the women who have managed to go across the country and work multiple weekends, which is good to see. And me being someone that is uh, not as knowledgeable about the current Australian indie scene as you are and fairly new to watching the Australian indie scene, I look at this card and I see the names on it and I recognise almost all the names on this card. So that just tells you something about the talent uh, that Australian independent wrestling has in terms of the women. Oh, absolutely. So this was available on sportsflixglobal.com uh, for 10 US dollars per month. Overall, a good show. I'd give them a thumbs up and check them out again. So... Uh, we move on to the 18th of January. It's Australian Wrestling League, AWA The Purge New Dawn from the zoo in Fortitude Valley, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. 
Uh, this is an 18 plus show. Did you manage to catch this one, Alex? Uh, I didn't. You did send me that uh, it is on YouTube and is available for free. So anyone out there listening, I, I would definitely recommend to go out and watch this. But um, yeah, I unfortunately haven't had the time to watch it yet. But I'm looking at the results that you wrote down here for me. And i tell you what, it looks really good on paper so i'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it and i might go back and watch it so the show starts off with a um with the pwl that's pro wrestling league from the gold coast the general manager todd eastman and the australian wrestling alliance commissioner sean d appleton in the ring for a special announcement before the match uh they're joined by mitch mccarthy and jesse daniels uh a video plays for the new dawn, showing uh, various highlights of the two companies before the logos merge into one for the Australian Wrestling League, saying that they are now one company with one World Heavyweight Championship and that the PWL belt itself is retired. This video was really well done. Um, if no one's checked it out, I highly recommend it because not only do they show great um, highlights of the company's past, they also did a image where they map out each of the events for the year going ahead, saying uh, February's Enter Phase 1 and so on and so forth for the rest of the year so you knew the key events going ahead for the rest of the year. So we'll just run through the matches quickly. Match number one, Renegade defeated... Dragon in 10:27 pinfall after a discus elbow into a springboard cutter into a power slam. Really good match. Um, match number two, the tag team champions of Jake Nova and Mitch Ryder versus the Retro Bros of Bobby Bishop and Rip Riley. This ended in 12:38 uh, pinfall for Mitch Ryder to retain on Bobby Bishop after a belt shot from the outside. Match number three was a openweight championship number one contenders match. Uh, CJ versus Jason Hyde versus Spaceman Dacey versus Zach Reynolds. Uh, pretty good match went 6-46, pinfall for CJ on Spaceman Dacey after a stunner. Match number four, the... AWL Heavyweight Championship. It's Mitch McCarthy, your champion, versus Jesse Daniels. Good match. Went 13-32, pinfall after a pile driver. We move on to match number five. It's the 2020 Purge Rumble, where the winner will become the AWL Heavyweight Championship number one contender. The only rule is you're eliminated when you're thrown over the top rope with both feet hitting the floor and all other rules are suspended. So weapons are allowed in this match. So I'm just going to read off a list of the participants uh, when they entered and when they were eliminated. Um, so first hander was Renegade, followed by second was Kelso Cajones, third was Jackson Cross, fourth hander was Xander Sullivan, fifth was Blair Seeker, 5th was Roberto Pacino, 7th was Double Denim Dangerous Dan, 8th Twenter was Lucille Brawl who helped uh, eliminate Rob Roberto Pacino first, 
Ninth Tanter was Zach Reynolds, who quickly eliminated Lucille Brawl. Skinny D was 10th Twenter, followed by Jack Tarr in 11th, when Double Denim Dangerous Dan got eliminated. 12th Entrant was Mitch Ryder, followed by Super Titan Jr. in 13th, who was quickly eliminated. 14th was Combat Wombat, who was quickly eliminated. 15th was Dragon, who was quickly eliminated. 16th was Tim Cade, and then the eliminations were Zach Reynolds, Mitch Ryder. 17th was James Jager, followed by eliminations of Jackson Cross and James Jager. 18th was Jake Nova, and then eliminations were Blair Seeker, Skinny D, Jack Tarr. 19th was Young Chad, 20th was CJ, uh, eliminations to Xander Sullivan, Kelso Cajones. 21st entrant was LJ Gold, who eliminated CJ. 22nd in was Spaceman Dacey, who was quickly eliminated. 23rd was Raven Spears. 24th was Jackson Hart. 25th was Bobby Bishop. 26th was Rip Riley. And then the eliminations were Bobby Bishop, Raven Spears, Jackson Hyde, Young Chad. 27th in was Outback Adam, who eliminated Jake Nova. The final competitor was Jesse Daniels, who was quickly eliminated. Then Renegade was eliminated, followed by JL Gold and Tim Cade. Finally, it was down to Outback Adam and Rip Riley, and Rip Riley just threw Outback Adam over the top rope onto a big pole. A uh, good hardcore rumble style match went 50 minutes 47. At times there was tacks, there was chairs, there was tables, there was um, what do you call them? Bamboo skewers. There was a Captain America shield. So I think this is a match you'd really enjoy. Uh, you just said uh, Captain America shield. Uh, that's my boy. So. Um... Yeah, uh, I'm definitely interested. Um, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I am not familiar with a lot of the names on this card. And I think I'm going to watch this because I need to find out who is Super Titan Jr. And who is the, who is the Combat Wombat? <laughs> like, okay, that's different i want to know who or what is a combat wombat yeah it's it's it's, if you haven't seen much of the queensland scene on video before it's a lot of the um guys who sort of work the queensland circuit but um people like where are we bobby bishop was over in um epw on the school case show uh, Lucille Brawl's also been on a couple of the other shows uh, where women were featured. So there is a couple of people who have been on other shows. I think Mitch Ryder was one on, on another show in January. I know Renegade wrestled on the Wrestling for Relief show we'll talk about shortly. So there are a few different um, wrestlers there, names you might recognise from some of the other shows we mentioned. Um, as Alex mentioned, this is free on YouTube, on the um, Australian Wrestling League page, free to watch the entire event, no um, ad breaks or anything. Um, The merger between PWL and AWA can only 
benefit the greater Queensland scene whilst they're both continuing to run in uh, Brisbane and the Gold Coast, respectfully. Uh, the only small negative I have for this show was, as in many Rumble matches, the camera's not going to catch anything, everything, so that's the only small negative I have. Overall, a thumbs-up show, and it's free, guys. You, you've got nothing to lose. The The only thing is, if you're not a fan of hardcore wrestling, this mightn't be your ideal event. Yeah, um, I definitely am looking forward to checking that out. And from there, we'll move on to January 19th. It's Melbourne City Wrestling presenting Wrestling for Relief at the Melbourne Ballpark in Altona, Melbourne, Australia. Um, so first of all, it was unusual to see um, for Australian wrestling to be in an outdoor stadium, let alone a baseball park. Uh, the wrestlers entered through the third base dugout and the ring was positioned on home with uh, seating on the field around the grandstand. What did you think of uh, this sort of unique look for MCW? All right, so... Yes, I pretty much live in the country. I'm a little bit oblivious as to what's going on in the big city. I didn't even know there was like as big of a baseball stadium or like as popular of a team as they make it out to be. Um, I was really, really happy with the setting, actually. I thought it looked pretty cool. Um it actually made me really want to go watch a baseball game there one day. Would you think this could become more of a um, regular event, if not a charity show, just like a, a summer showdown sort of um, event for MCW at the ballpark? Yeah, I think it would be really good for them to use this venue. Like, you wouldn't want to use it too often, but... If you did, like you said, like one summer show a year at the ballpark, uh, I would love it. Yeah, it's good to get, as much as I love the atmosphere of the Thornbury Theatre, it's good to sort of mix up the settings every now and then. Yeah, because we were talking on our first show about how good it was to see him at the Aquatic Centre for the Jonah Rock Naito show, but MCW... I think this is the first time in a while they've actually left um, Formbury outside the Brewery Brawl show last year. Yeah, and uh, at one point Thornbury was only used for their bigger shows and they had another venue at Tullamarine or something, wasn't it, or Essendon? Yeah, it's Essendon. It was just across from the um, train station in Essendon. Yeah, and um, now as they've gotten more popular, which is definitely a good problem to have, they've had to get rid of that smaller venue and stick to Thornbury. But the problem is, for me, like, every show sort of looks the exact same. So it's nice to see something different like this. Yeah, and that's that could be levelled at a, a lot of the uh, local shows where they're all sort of in the, the same arena 12 months a year. Yes. Yeah, and it is good to freshen things up once in a while. Um, also, the voices on this for commentary and ring announcing aren't your normal MCW crew. Do you think they did a good job? Uh, see, I, I kind of feel weird, like, even criticising this show in any way because it is for such an amazing cause. But 
Yeah, I, I wasn't that into the commentary. And to be honest, the show itself, we'll get there, but it, it, it was a wrestling show. That's pretty much what it was. Nothing too out there. Yeah. Um, so match number one, it's Jet Roker with Tyson Baxter defeating Ada Miller and Royce Chambers. Um, Chambers and Roker both high flyers while Miller's trying to slow the pace down through the match. And towards the uh, end of the match, Chambers is just spending a large part of the um, time on the outside, not involved in the ring. Uh, went about seven minutes, uh, pinfall for Jet Ruka on Ada Miller after a springboard cutter. Yeah, a couple of great uh, young talent here in, uh, in Jet Ruka and Aiden Miller and Royce Chambers. Like, there's some serious talent for down the road with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so match number two, it's Nick Berry accompanied to the ring by... Avery and the Melbourne Aces cheerleaders versus Funtime Phil and Aria. <laughs> Nick and his biddies, as he kept calling them. And <laughs> sweet baby girls or something. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Nickelback is back for the Brat Pack. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Loved it. It's it's not really the Brat Pack without Nickelback, is it? No, it's jarring to hear their new song in Formbury. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, their new song is a really good song, um, but it, it ain't Nickelback. It ain't I Like Your Pants Around Your Feet. <laughs> like, come on. It's, it's, it's a completely different style, and that's what's so jarring to it. Like, you look at Avery's song, and it's still pretty sort of similar to what Nickelback is. Mm. That sort of style. And then you look at... Um, Burying Waterman's and it's like a footy song and you're just like, oh, this is a bit weird. Yeah, because that's not the part of the gimmick that we love. Like, we get it. They're like footy jocks that are douchebags or whatever. But, like, the bit we love isn't the footy part. It's the complete, like, idiot part of themselves that we love. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, as Nick enters the ring, he does so with all the cheerleaders, and they start to do a dance, and in the background, Funtime Phil wants to join in with them. I'm a big fan of Funtime Phil. He just, like, you genuinely believe he's having a fun time. He's such a good character, and he really works off of uh, Nick Berry really well. Oh, absolutely. And then... Um, Avery at one point when Phil spills to the outside goes and starts attacking him and Arya's trying to get the ref's attention but Avery just keeps on attacking Phil <laughs> um, the men are inside the ring the women brawl inside the ring they're fighting the men just stop and stand at them going ah you're fighting so they both stand up and slap each one of the men they then get out of the ring. The men are complaining to Edwin. Edwin won't have any of it. They want Edwin ejected as a referee because he's allowing this to happen. Instead, he just slaps both of the men. <laughs> Which results in <laughs> Phil getting a schoolboy roll-up 
when Barry's holding on to the tights in 10 minutes. Um, spoiler alert, this is my match of the show. <laughs> it is just fun wrestling antics. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, like, look back at this show and I think, what would I go back and watch again? As cheesy as half the stuff is in this match, you're going to have a good time watching Nick Berry. You're going to have a good time watching uh, Funtime Phil. And there, there's definite rewatch value to any of their matches. Like, Nick Berry's so ridiculous with his with his bum bag and... <laughs> all of his thrusting and bitty this and sweet baby girl that, like, it's fantastic. Yeah, and it also played off well because Aria and Avery are actually involved in a match later on in the night as well, so I was setting up for that as well during this match. Yeah. Match number three, Tone Philippe versus Zeke and Dino. It was a good eight-minute match uh, for the debuting Zeke from Queensland. Uh, finished in a pinfall after... I believe it was a damn fight as a four-way slam from Tone. Yeah, uh, this was a perfectly good wrestling match. Uh, match number four, we have Avery versus Arya versus Asha versus Chanel Phoenix. Uh, this is actually a really good like example of the characters and the... Uh, the characters that are being built up in the women's division around the country, like, there's some really strong, like, gimmicks in this match. Have you seen Chanel Phoenix on the girl shows that MCW has done before? Uh, yes, I've seen a couple of the girl shows, but I'm still meaning to go back and watch all of them. The only person you'd be unfamiliar with would be Aisha with uh, Carl Grove from RB4K. And I think she had a appearance on MCW before. So I'd say I've definitely seen her on something before. So I was somewhat familiar with her. Um, RB4K is the stable in pcw in melbourne oh very good um so the match starts with a four-way test of strength with aria and chanel phoenix um using their strength to outpower the smaller women there's a brief spot during the match where aisha and chanel phoenix team up because they're both wearing black and green which i found funny <laughs> towards the end of the match aisha's going for like a spear to one of the ladies on the ropes but I believe it was Arya sidesteps and ends up crashing into Carl Grove on the outside, so she's taken out of the match, leading to Arya hitting the... Oh, sorry, Avery hitting the daddy issues on Arya after about five minutes for the pinfall victory. Too many A's in this match, <laughs> as the commentary did say. Um, right result. Uh, the perfect person took the pin. Uh, I wouldn't want to see Avery pin Aisha or Chanel Phoenix. Uh, she had to pin Arya in this one. Um, and she's also building up for the championship match next month, so it wouldn't make sense for her to lose here. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was a this was a fun match. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, I'd like to see more of. Aisha on future 
MCW girl shows if possible as well because I'm a big fan of hers and her work in PCW. So from there we'll move on to match number five. It's Arf Carver and Hector Jones with Skylar Cruz versus Tony Villani and Zane Zodiac. This was built up as a all-MCW Academy match, which is rare for MCW. Um, I just put down a really good match for the Academy. Uh, eight minutes in, Hector Jones gets the pinfall victory on Skylar Cruz after an eight defeat from Arf Carver. Yeah, this was yeah another good wrestling match. Um I wouldn't say this was particularly memorable, but it was still good for what it was. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, match number six was Caveman Ugg versus Murdoch. At one point, they brawl outside the ring, up the aisleway, and then all around the top tier of the grandstand, back down into the ring, and Ugg ends up hitting the sidewinder slam for the pinfall victory in eight minutes. Inject all the UGG matches into my veins, please. I cannot get enough of Caveman UGG. As I've said before, he is a big meaty man who slaps a lot of meat, and I love it. And then your main event, it's the last of the dying breed. That's Mike Byrne, Richie Taylor versus Man United, reuniting for one night only. That's Atlas, Whitaker, and Vance Adams versus... Strong 94, that's Link, Lewis Jr. and Renegade. And versus RB4K, Ryan Rapid and Sammy Falcon with Carl Grove and A-Shirt ringside. Yeah, so, like, the tag teams come out for this match and I'm thinking, what have I done with my life where I'm marking out for the reunion of Man United? (laughs) Like, I couldn't believe how excited I was to see these two back together again. Oh, big fan of Vance Adams. Um, well, there you go. You can you can have uh, Vance Adams. I, I want Atlas Whitaker or what do they call, call uh Cam Anderson or whatever they call him in Wrestle Rock, where he's the long-lost Arn Anderson son. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. Um, so this is uh, your traditional four corners tag match. Only two men in the ring at once, but you can tag in anyone with one four to a finish. Uh, Renegade was in Brisbane last night at AWL's The Purge Rumble for about 40 minutes before he came in today. Yeah, what a champion. Like, that's awesome. Um, so it was pretty good all throughout the match. It's... Um, a lot of guys getting a lot of fall fence in um, towards the end. Strong 94 thrown out by RB4K, who are then in turn thrown out by Last of the Dying Breed. Man United get back into the ring, but a hit with a smash elbow to the back of the head and then a Mike Burr-assisted brainbuster on Atlas Whitaker for the Richie Taylor pinfall in 12 minutes 49. Yeah, so earlier in the... This episode, I was a bit critical of Last of a Dying Breed, but uh, I am, don't get me wrong, I am a huge Richie Taylor fan. I'm just, Mike Burr slowly growing on me as a new independent wrestling fan for the Australian scene, so I'm slowly educating myself to his history. 
Oh, come on. Mike Bear's awesome. Yeah, like I said, I'm slowly learning more and slowly learning more. Like, without any context, I didn't understand what the deal was with Mike Burr. Like, oh, he's meant to be important, but, like, I've never seen him win a match. Okay. Ah, yeah, I see. If you're a newer newer fan, you haven't seen all that back history in the MCW encore. Yeah, exactly. And I'm... I'm slowly going back and, like, trying to get some context on certain guys. Like, I want to say a bit of, like, Danny Psycho's first run in MCW, and I want to find out about Mike Burr a bit. So um, I really do like these two as a tag team together, and I am a huge fan of Richie Taylor. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of like our Aussie version of, like, a Pete Dunne sort of thing, and I love it. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, overall, a great show. Thumbs up. Um, with the charity profits going to Blaze Aid helping the farmers in affected bushfire communities, this match is also available on MCW Encore through Vimeo. It's uh, $8.99 per month for a subscription. The only negative I have for this show... <laughs> I want to see the intergender Brat Pack versus RB4K dream match now more than ever. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be money right there, actually. That's money. The only problem is they're in two different promotions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, um, I thought this show was... Uh, I wouldn't say it was canon, <laughs> It wasn't really canon to anything else MCW's doing. It is a charity show and is raising money for a fantastic cause. But, um, yeah, there wasn't much story to it. It was just a solid wrestling show. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree. But uh, if you still can, go and check it out. All goes to a, a good cause. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I... I 100% as much as you were shocked. I recommend going back and watching Nick Berry versus Funtime Phil. Yeah, that's actually a real... If you just want to sit down for 10 minutes and watch a pretty good fun match to take your minds off things in the world, go and watch that match. If you're having a bad day, just switch on some Nick Berry dancing, thrusting his bum bag with some sweet baby girls to the tunes of Nickelback. All your worries will simmer away and you're going to be in a fantastic mindset to conquer the world. Absolutely. Um, so from there, we move on to January 24th. It's Wrestling Go presents the Sydney Collective from Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Um, so match number one is Jason Bay defeating Kasai. Uh, pinfall after a top rope moonsault in 6.32. Match number two was a six-women's tag team match. Edith Knight, Jasmine and Tali defeated the team of Lucille Brawl, Rochelle Rogue and Stella Nix. Uh, in 7.48, pinfall for Jasmine on Rochelle Rogue after a page turner. We then had a 21-man Battle Royal match where the order of elimination was DJ Sonic, Osam Hussein, Banks, Bakari, Five Star Flash, 
JB Hazard, Matt Gage, Alex Irvine, Jackson Spade, Matthias Clock, Mr. Christmas, The Buccaneer, Caesar, Big Fudge, Donnie Mako, Jason Bay, AJ, Alby, Silvio Milano, Lex Lencox, and B-Boy was last eliminated by the winner, Jason Dewhurst. We then have a match that I think you would have enjoyed, Alex. It's Matty Warburg defeating Gavin McGavin in 11.32 pinfall after a curb stomp. Well, you know, uh, I'm pretty much going to slap five stars onto anything that Matty Wahlberg does. So uh, that is probably one that's worth me going back and checking out. Match number five was a nine-woman battle royal match. Uh, special guest ring announcer was Candice Michelle, formerly of the WWE. What? <laughs> Sorry, that just, that just threw me off. Okay, Candice Michelle was there? Okay, cool. Yeah, she came out and talked about how the 2019 California wildfires affected her and how um, her sympathy goes out to the Australians right now and she wanted to come out and donate some money and help. Um, so it's the nine-woman uh, battle royal match. The order of elimination was first out was Lucille Ball, followed by Rochelle Rogue, followed by Edith Knight, then Stella Nix, then Tali, then Zena. Seventh out was Candy Lee. And last out was Jasmine Vittora. The winner was Nikki Poyet. Um, after this, they did a post-match raffle with Candice in the ring where kids won replica WWE titles and she took photos with them. So I'm guessing some of the raffle money might have gone to Bushfire Appeal. That's awesome. Um, what I really like about this women's battle royal match, which don't get me wrong, I didn't see, and I didn't see this show. Uh, I liked seeing that the last two women in this match are the only two women that I didn't know. Yeah, so it's somebody new that you're not familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, pretty much the only two women in this match that we haven't talked about in other cards are the last two women left in this match. So that shows uh, how, well, I've said it a million times, like how broad and how deep this, the women's side of things is in Australia. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then match number six was DJ Sonic and Jaguar Kid defeating the Misfit and Tristan Slade in 940 Pinfall from DJ Sonic on the Misfit after a top rope sent, uh, Swanton Bond. Match number seven was Jessica Troy, who is the Wrestling Go Silver medalist, defeating Shazza McKenzie in 848 um, via armbar submission. Uh, match number nine was your main event Douglas James defeating LB and Vinnie Vane. And no disqualification triple threat match in 19 minutes 38 ping fall from Douglas James on LB after a small package. So uh, quickly with this match, uh, this Vinnie Vane fella. So a couple of years ago, there was a, I'm not even going to name names because I'm not going to say nice things about the independent 
wrestling company that came to Aubrey where I, near where I live. But there was the card pretty much kicked off with some random 65-year-old looking bloke under a hood <laughs> against some other 50-year-old looking bloke. And it was just horrible wrestling. But what I remember is there was this ring announcer who was a good-looking kid and was pretty well in shape. And then later on at a tag match, someone's tag team partner got attacked. And then the heel tag team comes in and starts beating up the ring announcer. And the ring announcer's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take his on then. I'll be old mate's tag team partner. And it was a younger Vinnie Vane. Oh, wow. And uh, he is one of... The, he was one of the very few high points of that night. But we did get Chavo Guerrero in Aubrey that night, so. What Chavo came to Aubrey? Chavo was wrestling a wrestler called Psychotic. And it was in the main event. And half of that match was really good. The other half of that match was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> um, back to Wrestling Go, I really like the show, a thumbs up. Um, it's available on Sports Flix Global, as um, is FWA, for $10 US per month. They're all in the same package. It's a flat fee like, a, I don't know, Netflix or WWE Network, for example. They seem to have grown a very... Uh, child-friendly and all-inclusive company like there were wrestlers here of um, Middle Eastern background which you don't see a lot on the um, broader Australian scene and there was um, people here of the LGBT community yeah um, I'm just looking at that card that you went over and there's quite a few things that I really want to check out from that. Like, yes, I've seen Jessica Troy versus Shazza McKenzie before, but I would love to see it again. <laughs> like, Yeah, you know you're going to get a good match with those two. Yeah, exactly. And I would definitely love to go back and watch Matty Wahlberg versus Gavin McGavin. And, yeah, like I said before, I have a bit of a soft spot for Vinnie Vane being the one shining light on an otherwise dark evening one night. Um, so I'd like to see how he goes in that main event. Very good. And from there we'll move on to January 25th. It's Newcastle Pro Wrestling, Nui Pro number 85 from Charleston, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. Did you watch this one live or on VOD, if you remember, Alex? Yeah, so I watched this on VOD, and this is where I was getting the weird uh, ads and all that sort of stuff. Now, now that my memory's been triggered. Yeah, and I must state I don't use VOD for any of their other services. I just use it for... Nui Pro and um, PWA, so I can't really comment on uh, if it's just the PWA channel that does this or if it's all the channels that do this. But um, we'll start off. It's Matt Diamond 
defeating Gavin McGavin in 655 pinfall after a diamond cutter. Yeah, uh, two really good wrestlers here. Uh, big fan of Matt Diamond, actually. And I can't say enough nice things about Gavin McGavin. So uh, two really good wrestlers kicking off a good show. Yeah, I'd have to agree as well. And from there, we move on to a women's triple threat. Uh, Belle Pierce versus Jessica Troy and Stella Nix. A uh, good 10-minute match. Uh, Belle Pierce got a submission on Stella Nix after applying what was called an Uma Plata. Yeah. Uh, seriously, Australian women's wrestling is fantastic. I can't say it enough. Absolutely have to agree. And once we start looking at a few different events, you'll see how deep the uh, Australian women's division is overall. Uh, so from there, we go on to match number three. It's Matty Wahlberg versus Tree Hugger Lucci. This went about 10 minutes and ended in a pinfall for Tree Hugger Lucci after a low, bo- low blow into a roll up behind the referee's back. I actually really enjoyed the. I, I enjoyed the finish to this, and I actually really enjoyed Tree Hugger Lucci. <laughs> um, there's something going on there with him, and I think. Uh, there's a big future ahead for Trey Hugger Lucci. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I, he was on a few PWA shows, I believe, last year, so we'll have to wait and see if he makes his way back down to Sydney. Um, from there, we move on to two Invictus tournament qualifying matches. So the Invictus tournament is a single elimination, three-person intergender tag team match tournament. Um, so the first match, match number four, was Dazza, Headhunter Rig, and Steph Delander versus the team of Big Fudge, Kingsley, and Shane Sheffield Sinclair. Uh, went for about nine minutes, pinfall from Steph Delander on Kingsley after a big boot from Headhunter Rig. Uh, not much to say here, just a really, like, there's an obvious amount of talent in this match and headhunter rig is slowly becoming an Alex Williams boy. We'll wait and see how he goes over the coming year. Uh, match number five is the second Invictus qualifying match. It's Ben Braxton, Kellyanne and Tyson Reed versus Edith Knight and the team of MK plus ultra. That's Kai Drake and Michael Spencer. Went 11.41, and Kellyanne got the pinfall on Edith Knight after a running cannonball. Yeah, uh, lots, once again, I'm just a broken record here. Lots of talent in this match. Uh, I I really enjoy MK Plus Ultra. Uh, They got a lot, a lot of potential going on there. And obviously, I cannot say enough about how amazing Kellyanne is and she might be like all round like the best pound for pound wrestler in Australia. Yeah, and just doing this overall January review, one name who I hadn't heard of all that much before and who's really made a good impression on me is Edith Knight. I think this is her fifth event so far in January and she's had really good showings in all of them. 
Yeah, she's she's making that dough, man. She's getting booked everywhere. Uh, which is what we want to see. Yeah, definitely. Match number six was Massive Q versus Matt Rogers. Nah, I just I want you to after you've uh, gone through this match, I want you to be honest about it. So it went five thirteen, pinfall after a big splash from Massive Q onto Matt Rogers. Gets the one, two, three, but Rogers kicks out at about 3.1. Mm. All right, be honest. What do you reckon, Chris? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> like I, I've said before, I love a big Hoss fight, right? Yeah. But uh, Hoss fights need to have a certain pace to it for it to be interesting. This This didn't do too much for me. And... Uh, the carny finish of it all, of kicking out at 3.1, like like you really can't have Matt Rogers lose perfectly clean. Like, oh, I, I hate that. I hate that stuff. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I can understand doing it maybe once, but twice in the same month on the same network is a bit jarring because he did this uh, was it uh, Rick South? Yeah, against Rick South, where he had his um, foot on the rope, but the referee didn't see it around the free count. Yeah, so he's 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 uh, lost twice, but he's also only just lost twice. So it'll be interesting to see where his story goes in each company over the coming weeks. Uh, it's just the sort of stuff I, I just think is just... It's a bit stupid. <laughs> Like, the kick out at 3.1, it just always makes me just shake my head. But, you know, I'm not going to pass too much judgment yet. There could be a greater story to be told from all of this. From there, we move on to the Nui Pro main event. It's Carter Deems, your Nui Pro heavyweight champion, versus Sam Osborne. Um... This was a good match, went about 16 minutes. Uh, Carter Deem gets the pinfall after Insiguri, Frog Splash, and Backbreaker Combo to win. Yeah, so these are two guys that I see just carrying the Australian wrestling scene in the future. Carter Deems has something going on. Sam Osborne's got it going on. Like, yeah, these are true, like, genuine, the future of Australian wrestling right here. And they've both been heavily featured in PWA in Sydney as well. Yep. Um, overall, I say this was a good show. Had another sort of family uh, fun element uh, vibe to it. The only negative, again, is the OVO play. If I'm paying seventy nine ninety nine Australian on your top level yearly pass, I don't know why I'm getting like nine ad breaks and they're happening in between the match. So it's interrupting the match flow. Yeah, um... I'll give it a solid thumbs up, but there was a couple of things I didn't like, but there was definitely a lot more things that I really enjoyed. Like there's some guys to really keep an eye out for, like besides the obvious ones of like Matty Wahlberg or your Bell Pierces or your Jessica Troy's like, you got to keep an eye out on guys like Headhunter Rig and Sam Osborne and Carter Deems. Like these guys are going to take this country by storm. Yeah, and 
Trey Hugger Lucci, you got Matt Diamond on there as well. You've got Edith Knight. To say I like to be a bit more patriotic, patriotic for Victorian wrestling, but geez, they got a lot of talent going up uh, up New South Way. So yeah, good for them. Yeah, just looking at the um if you want to look at it sort of Newcastle Pro is sort of a feeder system to um, PWA, which some might view it that way, some mightn't, okay. Um, you look at that and they do share a lot of the same talent and you can see how deep the PWA system is. Yeah, but I want PWA to bring in Headhunter Rig more often. Fair enough. Uh, so from there, we'll move on to the final event I watched for January. January 25th, Professional Championship Wrestling. It's the P- PCW Summer Series 2020 Grand Final from Ferntree Gully, Melbourne, Victoria. Um, so I'll just quickly read through some of the results here. Ryan Rapid defeated JJ Verno and Murdoch in 831 Uh Pinfall for Ryan Rapid on JJ Ferno after a GTS. Match number two, Jamie Drayden defeated Stevie Philippe in 9.47. Pinfall after a second rope cutter. Match number three, David Basada defeated Sid Parker in 7.51. Pinfall after interference from the back. Uh, match number four, the Stallones, Rocco and Tommy Hellfire your PCW Tag Team Champions defeated the Black Diamonds, Jason Blade and Seth Tanner in 9.07. Pinfall for Rocco on Seth Tanner after a schoolboy roll-up. Match number five, Mark Cage defeated Tom Philippe in 9.58. Pinfall after an attitude adjustment. And in your main event, the Summer Series Cup Grand Final for 2020 which was also for the vacant PCW Ignition Championship. Cass Stone defeated Lucas Daniels, Nate Cross and Sammy Falcon in 1304 when Cass Stone uh, pinfalled Nate Cross after a bookend. Overall, a really good show, and I'm excited for the year ahead with PCW. Yeah, so um, this is is another one of the shows I didn't get around to watching but pcw is definitely a company i've been hearing a lot about and i really am kicking the tires about getting into uh there's a few guys on their roster that yeah that you don't really see in too many other places that i'm a big fan of like your sid parkers and your tommy hellfires and like and you're hearing lots of great things about guys like Lucas Daniels and Nate Cross. So this is something uh, that I'm really contemplating getting into. So how would I do that? Um, yeah, so this one you actually uh, go to uh, PCW Network. It's run through Pivot Share and is $9.95 per month. They've actually got one of their biggest shows of the year coming up in March. And... That's all we reviewed this year in uh, January. All right, let's put let's put good old Chris Thunder on the spot here. Sure. Who is your male and female wrestler of January? Uh, I'd have to say Edith Knight. I think for January, male's a bit harder. 
because there's a lot of high-profile matches where there's one or two good matches, and then there's a lot of people who've had a lot of good lower-card matches. Uh, let me help you out here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say Dowie, just simply because of his match that he put on with Will. Okay, yeah, I, I can't argue that. Uh, I was going to say, for myself, I'd probably say uh, Jessica Troy and Gavin McGavin. Uh, <laughs> Gavin McGavin is is all over the place at the moment. You you can't turn your head and not see him. So yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's another really good good pick representing the Western Australia wrestlers as well. Yeah, uh, there's so much star power with him. Like, I, he's just got he's got something. Yeah, uh, and the fact that I can't describe it means that it might be that intangible it that they always talk about. That it factor. Yes. So we've sort of come to the end of the review for the month. Um, do you have anything really to add with the shows that we watched, Alex? Um, I don't have anything to add to the shows themselves, but any of our listeners out there now... You know what the current situation is like in the world and a lot of these awesome wrestlers we're talking about, they might not be getting their chance to make that much money at the moment. So if you see an Australian independent wrestler trying to sell their shirts on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, bond your favourite wrestler, buy a shirt, support Aussie wrestling. Yeah, there are a few... Wrestlers who have either Patreons or just fans. There's some who have pro wrestling tees stores. Uh, Wrestle Merch, based out of Sydney, has just relaunched in the last few months. So there's a number of Australian wrestlers on there. I, I just bought two JX t-shirts today. so <laughs> and, and I'm spewing because I still haven't had the chance to talk about a JXT match on my own podcast yet. But we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there soon, don't you worry. <laughs> but um, as we're sort of winding things down, do you want me to give a brief rundown of what we've got planned over the next, I don't know, four, five, six shows? You do your thing, brother. Okay, so coming up shortly, we will have a special review, our first Fallout Down Under, where we're going to focus on some of the bigger events in Australian wrestling throughout the year. Uh, this one will be a solo review by me. It's going to be TCW's Annihilation Number 7. Following that, we will have a second fallout down under. It'll be RCW's Reanimation 15. You'll be joining me for that one, Alex? Yes, yes. I've already seen that, and I have plenty to say about RCW. Absolutely. That one's free on YouTube if anyone wants to go check it out. Um, following that, we will have our... February 2020 in Australia and New Zealand review. And we're also planning to do a special thunderstorm of AEW's Double or Nothing and Dynamite following that. Yes, where Pineapple Pete will become AEW TNT champion and the world will be restored. Yeah, and then following that, we'll have our March 2020 in Australia and New Zealand review. Um... Anything else to add for this show, Alex? Uh, we're starting to get some decent feedback. I've had a few people message me that have listened to the show, and I really enjoy 
hearing from you guys and I am not going to be offended if you say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have said this or, you know, you you kind of sounded like a bit of a dingbat here and all that. Like, we need feedback to help us learn how to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of feedback, we did leave out a uh, feedback thread for these shows for anyone who wanted to leave feedback. Admittedly, we did put it up a bit late, but for the next show, I'll uh, put it out a bit earlier and it'll be one of our pinned tweets on our Twitter page at WrestleOzStyle, so just check us out there. Um, you can also subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Spotify and Podbean. Just search WrestleOzStyle. And a big thanks to Beta Club Field Trip for our fantastic theme song you heard at the start of the show. Uh, Alex, where can people contact you on social media? Uh, at Fruity is Alex on Twitter, Instagram, almost everything. Uh, feel free to give us a follow, send me a message. I'm more than happy for a chat because I'm stuck in my house going crazy. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm at I am Chris Funder. Give us a follow there. Send us a message if you want to chat Aussie wrestling. Let us know what show you think we should review or any feedback. Like I said, we are looking for your voice on the show so the next feedback thread will be pinned to the top of our twitter page just leave it there we'd like to give a very special shout out to the social media groups who've allowed us to spread our message that's australian wrestling community facebook group and also the what would gorilla monsoon do facebook group both australian based wrestling facebook communities they're a huge help and we can't thank you enough for letting us share our podcast there yeah thanks heaps guys yeah means a lot to get the word out there a bit um in saying that alex do you have any final words for the folks yeah everyone's stay triotic <laughs> peace peace <laughs>